but I get to do something that I love to do. I get to look back at the camera and I say, hey, all those that are joining us online, on Facebook, and especially men and women over at the Tuscarawas County Jail, you're part of our church family. We're going to welcome you in. Come on, church. Welcome them in. Love it. So we, we are in the, uh, the third and final week of this series called Some Assembly Required. Pastor Corey kicked it off uh, two weeks ago, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. I've been, been, I haven't spoke for two weeks, so you know, just get ready, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm geared up. I'm ready. I've got a, a list of stuff. And, it, and also, it's a relationship series. So um, I'm at the point in my life where I've, I finally feel like I'm qualified. I'm 40 years old. I'm 40, 40 years old. Uh, yeah, I'm coming up on my 18th wedding anniversary. So we, we've been we've been married. You know, we've been doing this pretty good. So I feel like I'm at the point where I got, I got some wisdom to give to you. I got some wisdom. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not the point where you chuckle. That's the amen point. Just give me the yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I'm at a point where I'm like, I, you know, I got some stuff to say about relationships. I've been in one for a while. I've been I, I've I've messed up quite a few. Uh, I've learned some stuff, so I, w- I want to share that with you. I kind of just, this is a just everything I've got all in one message, and i got to wrap it up really fast. So um, here we go. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 is where we're going to spend some time uh, this morning uh, looking at uh, what Paul was writing to the church in Colossae. He was saying, hey, uh, guys, you're, you're no longer who you once were. You once were, uh, well, let's read it. This is what he says. He says, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. So there's a difference. You once were something, now you're something different. And since that's changed, let's, let's talk about it. He says, you've got to change from having your sights on earth to now setting them on heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not things of earth. Then verse 5, he says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. So there's some things that were once in you, some ways that you dealt with people, the way that you dealt with relationships at, at the at workplace, at the school, at wherever you are. There once was a way you handled it. Now let's, let's put that to death. He says, have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshiping the things of this world, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. He says, you used to do these things. So once before, not anymore, you're now going to act differently because you're a follower of Christ. Some things got to change. He says, when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on a new nature. So here, here's what we're going to give you some old information, old information, how you used to be. Now this is some information on how you need to change. And this is what he says. He says, and being renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and lives in all of us. So here, here's what I want to, to know. Relationships, a lot of times when we talk about relationships, we immediately go to the big one, marriage. That's the first and foremost one that we go to and we talk about. And rightfully so, because the enemy attacks marriage. He wants to destroy the marriage because it symbolizes our relationship with God. He is, our, he is the, the, uh, the groom, we are the bride. That's the illustration that God uses. So he wants to attack marriage because he wants to attack God. So rightfully so. But 
he's not talking about here the marriage relationship. He's talking about all relationships, which includes your marriage. So he says, uh, since God shows you to be ho the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. In peace. So let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about the, the, uh, not just marriage, not just uh, that special dating relationship. I'm talking about relationships in general. How are we supposed to leave the way we once were doing it and come to the right way, the biblical way of doing relationships? And the first thing that you have to understand is that you need to understand relationships are valuable. Relationships are valuable. And here's the truth of where we're living in today's society. We don't value relationships. We live in a cancel society. Pastor Corey talked about that. We live in a society where we're can't just, uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm done with that. I'm, I'm just canceling it. You're, you, you canceled. Yeah? yeah you, uh, you, I don't like what you're saying. I'm going to unfriend you. I'm not going to follow you. Or that's the, that's the way everybody does it now. You, you stay friends, but you just unfollow so you don't see the stupid stuff they say. Which maybe, never mind. Anyways, that's a whole other subject. But we, we, we do that, we have this unfriend where it's easy to cast aside relationships, even the most important of the relationships of marriage. We, it's, hey, let's give it a whirl. Let's try it. Let's get married. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, hey, we can start over. We can just, you know, the divorce is where we go. And, and, and so we, we have this idea of approaching relationships that they are just something we can do with or without. And if we're in a relationship, we can just move on from it. And the truth is we have to get to a place where we understand relationships are valuable. In fact, Jesus told us that they're the most important thing that we can think about. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So what's the greatest commandment? Your vertical relationship with God. So relationship is number one. And then he continues, and a second, a second equally, not subpar, not B. He says second and equally important is that you love your neighbor as yourself. So I don't have a lot of time to talk about who our neighbors are, but let's just let's begin like, with a, a general idea. If you live in a house and you have somebody that sleeps in the bed beside you, that's your neighbor. If you have somebody that lives down the hallway from you, they're your neighbor. If you ha live in a house and there's someone that lives in the house beside you, they're your neighbor. If you're driving down the road and there's a car in front of you, behind you, beside you, they're your neighbor who needs prayed for because they need redeemed from their terrible driving. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> you, your neighbor, has, so your, the, the one, number one important thing to God is your relationship with him. Your number one relationship, second, well, number one is relationship with others. Vertical, horizontal. They're so valuable. And he lays this out for us over and over and over again. And so real quick, to make sure that you understand how relationships work, you need to understand that relationships are spiritually valuable. They're spiritually valuable. There are, there are I forget, there's, I believe, I don't know how many, I'm not going to say a number because then I'll be wrong and then somebody will come back and send me an email and say, you were wrong about that number. There's a lot of commandments in the New Testament about being a follower of Christ that are dependent on you being in relationship 
with someone else. I, I love, let me just, man, let me come at you for a second. I, I hear this all the time. Well, you know, I, I, love, I love God and I just want to spend time in his creation. I love his creation. I just don't want to be around people. Uh, guess what people are? God's creation. He created us to be in relationship. They are spiritually necessary. For us to be who God's called us to be, we need to be in relationship with each other and supporting and encouraging one another. They're also, they are valuable as far as emotionally valuable. They did a a study with, with babies years ago. They don't do these kind of studies anymore, thank God. They had an orphanage, and they took children, babies, and they, for, for half of them, they fed them, gave them their nutritional needs, their physical needs. They met them, but they didn't hold them. They didn't talk to them. They didn't coo and all, or any of that. On the other half, in another room, they took those babies and held them. They talked to them. They sang sweet lullabies. Now, these weren't parents. These were just their caretakers. The ones that were taken care of and sang to and held and emotionally cared for grew healthy. Unfortunately, some of the children who were just physically met met their physical needs end up dying. Dying. Suicide is one of the biggest things that we're facing in our society today. And when you come to, uh, to suicide, it's a hard subject to talk about. But the two main reasons for suicide is, number one, there is an imbalance in the brain that causes you to think differently what you should be thinking. The second one is you're not connected to anyone that you can share your hurts and your needs and your problems. It's two reasons. We need to be connected to people. It's proven over and over again. Third thing is it's physically valuable. And all the men said, "Mm mm-hmm. There is a value in our connection to each other. We're, we're in the, the political season, and I, I, you, know, you get to the whole uh, the, the, the quotes and the sayings and the, the campaign stuff, and one of the favorites that everybody uses is, we're better together, right? We're better together. And, and it's kind of a joke because nobody is actually doing anything together politically. It's just this huge mess right now. But, and it always has been. It's not new. Uh, but we have like, this better together. The reason why we like that saying, because it is true. You can do more physical labor when you have people together with you. Now, this, th- this whole uh, some assembly required reminds me of a time where I needed some people to come around me. I, I uh, had a, uh, a, a swing set. It was just right, right after we bought our first house here in T County. And, and uh, we had a, just a quarter of an acre. And uh, we had uh, two kids, one on the way. And uh, so I got myself one of those swing sets, went up to Sam's Club, got one of those big wooden swing sets, and I uh, got it, and I, I got a, recruited a couple guys, and I said, hey, I need your help, and I know the package says it's a 12 to 16 hour job, that's foolishness, with us together, we can nail this in two and a half hours, no problem, right, I'm buying pizza, so I, I said, you know what, I'm going to get a head start on everybody, so I, they came in these big packages, so they dropped them off in my driveway, and there are these six packages I mean, the boxes were huge, and each one was about this thick, and there's six of them. So they stacked about this tall, all in pieces. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a head start. I'm going to take them to where we're going to be putting the swing set. And I, so I lugged them up there, got them up there on the, on the, on the side of the hill, and, and got them where they need to be. And I took every one of them, every piece, out of the package so that we could just grab everything we needed. And then I took the boxes and threw them in the, in the, pile, in the burn pile and burned them. And then I got the instructions out when everybody got there. And the instruction step one said, take from box one. 
Mm-hmm. The, it, the, the swing set's still standing to this day. It's there. Uh, it's, it's put together um, uniquely. Uh, we had to, like, we, we bought bolts and made holes where there weren't holes because it's standing. Um, but it <laughs> would been helpful if I would have listened to the instructions. We, we, you can do more together. We know this. And so, so when we understand that, that relationships are value, the, the valuable, that you, you, you get, get a grasp of this. There's a, I love this illustration. I've used it as a, as a youth pastor. I, I use this illustration that we're better together. We're stronger together. We're stronger emotionally, physically, spiritually. And I, so I, I did my level of crafting is uh, I got some paper and I glued it together. So I got all these pieces. There's all these pieces of paper, and I glued them together. And now if you take this, which once was flimsy, just one piece of paper, and now you try to rip it, I'm sure somebody, mainly enough, not me, can rip this, but it, it'd be, it's much more difficult, right? It's much more difficult to try to rip this and to get it so that it's... But there, there's a, something that happens within a relationship, because every person you get into a relationship with, you become connected to. You're glued to them. And I've used this illustration, and I want young people, if you're in here this morning, and I want you to hear this, because every relationship you get into, you're connected to them. You're in relationship with them, and you are working together to do things, and you're stronger together. But at some point in your relationship, their relationships break, and they separate. And when you separate, no matter how gentle you are in your separation, no matter how much you try to do it as gently and I mean, make it as, as healthy as possible. No matter what you do, you're going to end up leaving a part of you behind. No matter how hard you try, part of you is going to stay in that relationship. No matter how far you go, no matter where you go. And this is one of those things that I want you to understand is when you leave a relationship, will you be thankful for what was left behind? Because you're going to leave part of you behind, and you're going to carry part of them with you. The Bi- that's why the Bible says when a man and a woman come together physically as a couple, that they are become one, and they're separated. Now, I've seen this, and I've talked about it, and it's, it is true. And those of you that are in that place of life now that, you're, that can look back, and you can think of the mistakes you've made, the hurt, I, I know I can look back and look at the hurt that I caused and the hurt that I carry with me today because of the relationships that I got into that I shouldn't have gotten into. But there's a positive part of this too. Because I've been a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for three years and we did a lot of really neat things as a, as a youth pastor. And, and, but I left that position and I haven't seen those kids in years. A couple months ago, I got to hang out with one of them who's now pastoring a church. And whether that's because of me or not, I, I don't know, but I'm going to take some credit. I, I hope that part of me, when I left, stayed with him. And that's my question to you is, if you value relationships, you understand when you come together, that if you understand that relationships are valuable, will you be cautious enough? Will you be, uh, in, put enough investment into it that when you leave that relationship, whether good or bad, that you, what you leave behind is valuable? And are you willing, are you looking at your relationships today and going, this maybe caution you on what types of relationships you allow yourself to get into and who you bring into your life 
and who you're going to be in relationship with. So, so let's, let's go there. We, we have this idea of understanding that we're, we need to be valuable, that what, when we end a relationship, that it's going to go, we're going to be separated. It's both positive and both negative. So what, what, what do we need? So when you understand that it's valuable, relationships are valuable, the second thing that you understand is that you, anything of value requires investment. Anything that is valuable requires an investment. If you own a home, if you bought a car, anything like that, you know if it's, if, if it's valuable, it requires an investment. Relationships are the same thing. Now, I'll be honest. I hit the lotto with my wife. She, she's not in here this service. She's in the K-5 teaching kids. And, I mean, she's, she's amazing. She is, I, I married out of my league. She makes me better. She is nicer than me. She's sweeter than me. She's everything that, like, that, like seriously, she's amazing. I hit the lottery. But even hitting the lottery requires you to buy a lottery ticket. Anything of value requires investment. So are you investing into your relationships? Now, this is one of those ones we get the, you know, I, I, let me just, let me sit here for a second. Everybody's always, the grass is greener on the other side. Maybe, you know, if I get, if this relationship isn't really good, so I'm going to start looking somewhere else. And man, I like that. I like the way they look. I like the way they talk. I like, I like that. It looks better over there. And the truth is, it's not greener on the other side of the fence. It's greener where it's watered and fertilized. Okay? Water and fertilized. And you know what fertilization is. Okay? If you want to be in a, rela- a valuable relationship where the grass is greener and you, where you're at, then number one, you've got to go through crap. Yes, I am the real pastor here, sorry. Number two, you've got to be willing to invest in it. So stop looking to go somewhere else. Start investing where you're at. So, so anything of value takes investment. And number three, on the front of your paper, is you need to know... Oh, there's, where you, yeah, that's, there's a verse that goes along with that. You've got it in your notes. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So you're, you're, I'll keep going. I've got to keep going. Know your value. Know your value. Here, here's what you have to understand. You are, a crea- you are created by God. Unique, special. He loves you. He made you with purpose, and he designed you, and he loves you, and you are valuable, and you need to know that. It's, but some of you are getting into relationships where you don't call yourself valuable. You, you are getting into relationships with people you wouldn't allow to borrow 20 bucks from you. You need to know your value. Jesus said this. He says, you are, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why even the hairs of your head are all numbered? I gave him an easy job. I just wanted to, you know, make it easier on him. Fear not. You are, more value, you are of more value than many sparrows. What he's trying to say is, I, I love you. You're valuable. You need to understand that you are valuable. If I go to the bank, and I say, I go pull in to the bank, and I say, hey, listen, guys, I really would like to borrow 100000 And uh, I got some plans that I want to do. And do, do, what, what are they going to do to me? They're not going to give it to me because I said I'm worth it. They're not going to do it and say that, oh, yeah, you, you, you have, uh, you know, you, you look good, you, whatever. Nobody? Nobody's saying that? Okay. 
I, they're not going to give it to me. Even if, if, if I go walk in there with a three-piece suit, looking all sharp, they're still they're going to ask me my background, right? Because they, they are giving me of something of value, so they want to make sure I'm qualified to handle what is of value. In your relationships, you need to look at their background. Because their background, just like the bank says, hey, your background determines your future, you need to look at some people's background before you allow them to be connected to you to determine, are they worth the investment? Preaching good right here. Are they worth the investment? So... We value, we have to understand it. And the other thing that we have to understand is know your values. Add an S to that. You, know, you need to know what you're worth, but you also need to know what you stand for. What are your values? And if you go into a relationship and you haven't established what you are willing to stand for, you're going to fall for anything. And a lot of times, you're going to find out who you fell for isn't who you thought they were. The truth is, they're not who you thought they were. The, the bottom line is, you, you need to understand the, the values you have because the person you married, or the, those of you that are married will know this, the person you married is not the person you're married to. And my wife thanks God every day for that. And can you imagine if I were the same 22-year-old punk that she married? Some of you are like, what's much difference? No, well, if I were the same guy then as I am today, that would be a really bad situation. Thankfully, I've grown and matured. I'm a bitter, uh, hopefully, not, not bitter, I'm better. <laughs> I'm a better person today than I was as a 22-year-old. So this is where we, we have to understand that we, we, our value is important, that, our, that we have to get to a place that we are un, who we are. So let me give you some values that you need to have in a relationship. So if you're going to have a good relationship, here's some values you need to have in your relationship. Number one, you need to value diversity. Value diversity. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He talks about the human body. He says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. In other words, we need diversity to be whole. And when, you, when you're in relationships, a lot of times what we'll do is we like similarities. I'll prove it to you. You like people who think the way you think. When you leave here and you get on the freeway, you're going to see people who you get upset with. Why? Because they don't drive like you think they should drive. Right? And you begin to pray for them and, and you begin to speak in tongues for them in different languages and, and not the right kind. <laughs> and you, you, you have that, that where, because you want them to think like you think. You turn and you put your blinker on. You do, you do it the way I think you should do it. But diversity brings value. Uh, you know, the, another way that you could it, say it is you need to value disagreement. You need to value disagreement. We're, we're, our, our political landscape, and it's always been a political landscape, is we have a left and we have a right. Right? And if I'm over here on the right, and I am standing for what I believe are what are the right things, these are my stance, and this is what, what we need to be voting for, and this is what we're going. And then I look over here to the people on the left, and I, 
itemize them and I make them a, instead of a person, I put them in a position. I just generalize them and I just make them wrong no matter what. Diversity allows me to say I'm willing to disagree with you because disagreements make me better. Let me show you. There's a, a great book written by Buster Benson uh, called Why Are We Yelling? And it's the Art of Productive Disagreement. It's a great book. Uh, I just finished it up a couple weeks, uh, this past week I finished it up. And in it he talks about that you can disagree and have production in it. And in it he talks about four values that come out of disagreements. The first one is that when you disagree, you create security. If you're okay with disagreeing, let me stop right here. Those of you that are married, let's talk about this. If you're saying, hey, we can disagree and it's okay, you are in a position where you're more secure. My wife and I made a commitment. And like, when, I got, when we got married, I, I took a dictionary and I cut out two words. Divorce and impossible. There were, there were two words that we said were not going to be in our vocabulary. We can disagree and not fear losing each other. There's security in that. If we can say, hey, I'm still going to value you. I'm going to allow us to disagree. You'll get a better picture. The second thing you get is growth. Because as much as you think your way is right, there's probably a better way. If we, this is what we've done. We've pushed people. And so we got people on the left and we got people on the right. So I'm on the left and I believe in social justice. And I use that as my platform. And I say the people over there who don't believe and who, whose stance I say is not social justice is wrong, right? I just put them in that category. If I'm over here on the right and I've got all these principles of going, hey, financially we need to be responsible, those people there are crazy. We can't do everything they want us to do. But there's a way that when we disagree, we can have a disagreement and make each other's argument better. And this works in marriage all the time. I will walk into a situation with my kids, and I immediately go, and I'm at it, right? And my wife comes in gently behind me and will make a suggestion, just a comment to me. And I have to go, you're right. I was right, but it wasn't, it wasn't the best right. Growth. Another just the thing that happens within a disagreement, we have a better connection. If you're able to be in a relationship and say, I'm valuing our diversity, I'm valuing our disagreements, it brings us to better, closer together. We can be connected in greater ways because we know each other's values and we can grow together. Third, fourth thing he talks about is that you enjoy each other more. If you agree with everything, if everybody around you is a yes person to you, it's going to get really, really boring. Your, your discussions will become really like mundane. You don't want this. You want to value disagreement. But if you're going to value disagreement, you have to also value respect. See, this is, this is what's missing in many relationships, especially in the dichotomy of left and right, conservative, liberal, husband, wife. It's a level of respect. You can only have love with respect. Respect, love follows respect. Wherever respect goes, love will follow. When respect walks out the door, love follows it. Methodist nod. Come on, somebody. Anybody. Somebody. Amen. We have to value 
respect. This is why Paul told him in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, he says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. So value diversity, disagreement, value respect. And here's another one, you need to value failure. Value failure. What do I mean by f- value failure? Paul, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. He said, when you are tempted, not if you are tempted, when you are tempted. So you have to, when you understand that you're valuing failure, it means you could fail. You, you need to take this. Nobody, I have never met with a couple who's on the verge of divorce court. And they go, yep, when we got married five years ago, we, we were just hoping, we couldn't wait to the moment we'd get to this point. They weren't planning on getting divorced. I've never met a, a, a 16-year-old girl who's trying to figure out what to do with the baby that's in her body, going, when I was 14, I was just looking forward to being a 16-year-old pregnant girl. No, she didn't get there by, because of the... The problem is we're not thinking about being failures. One of the things I did, I've, I've done with my, my, my oldest, he's 16, just got his license this past week. Mm-hmm. Pray for me. Pray for me. Help us, Lord. And he is, in his, in his own words, the best driver who has ever driven, ever. Um, and he's good. I have a great son. I really do. My son is responsible. He's, he, he, uh, and uh, he, I've given him room. So he's driving my truck. And, uh, I, but I've, what I've done is I've given him the ability to fail within parameters. See, I gave him, I put on his phone this app. It's called Life360. I recommend it highly for anybody with teenagers. And what it does is I, I, I went and bought the, uh, the, you can buy the extras. And for, for $69, you can buy a little alert system. And any time that he goes 71 miles an hour, I know. If he has a sudden acceleration, I know. If he has rapid breakage, but I, that's probably a bad thing. If, if he, I know. If he opens his phone while he's driving, I know. He knows I know. Why did I do that? I wanted him to give him the ability to drive, and I know he's going to mess up. More than likely, he's going to get into a fender bender or some type of accident in the next six months. That's why I'm paying a fortune for his car insurance, because 16-year-old boys do stupid things, and they fail. I am not concerned about him having a fender bender or getting an accident and wrecking my truck. You know the first question that's going to be out of my mouth when he tells me he got in an accident? You know, the one thing I fear is that I'm not going to be able to ask him that question. So I put parameters around his failure. I've done it in my own life. I have this sheet that I keep in my desk. I call it my if card. It's my if card. And on it, I have the if I were to morally fail results. If I were to morally fail, what would happen? Why am I doing this? Why do I have this sheet? I have this sheet because I know that in my present, I am creating a past that will show up in my future. And so I'm making choices today knowing what the future would hold if I were to morally fail. Number one, if I were to morally fail, I would lose the trust of the most important person in the world to me, my wife. Just saying that 
puts a, a gut-wrenching feeling in me. Just saying it. So when it comes to a situation where I could morally fail, I've already got that in my mind before I make a choice. If I were to morally fail, I'd lose the respect and influence my kids, I have over my kids. If I would morally fail, I would lose the credibility of my community. If I would morally fail, I'd lose the ministry I have given my life to. Why do I have the, why, why would I get so dark in my, and, and weekly I, I look at this sheet? Is because I want to know before I make a choice what the results will be. In your life, in relationships, know you can fail. Men, know that when you look at that woman on that screen, that there are going to be things that come as a result. Ladies, know when you begin to give that flirtatious smile to that man at work who's giving you all that special treatment that it's not just a flirtatious smile. I'm going to preach. I'm going to walk away and keep my head down. Amen. Thank you. Third thing that you need, fourth thing is you need to value your seasons. Let me, let me, let me talk about this for a second. I, I Value the season you're in. This is what we do. In Ohio, this is, we're so guilty of this. We value the next season, don't we? Can't wait till the next season. It's middle of February. We can't wait for spring. Right? I can't wait till I can just see some sunlight more than 20 minutes. I can't wait to see those, those, those blossoms on the, on the, on the trees. And I, I just can't wait for some green. I'm so tired of gray. I just want some green. Right? And as soon as spring gets here, about two weeks into it, you're going to go, man, can't wait for this rain to go away and for, for summer. Man, I can't wait for summer. It's going to be so good when summer gets here. And then summer gets here, and it's 95 for the fifth straight day, and your air conditioner breaks, and you drive an F-150 2007 like I do that doesn't have air conditioning, and you're like, man, I can't wait for fall. The goal, all oh, the leaves will change, and the temperature will be just perfect. It's sweatshirt weather. I love sweatshirt weather. And, and then we get to fall, and... Well, nobody wishes for spoiling her. <laughs> but we're always looking to the next season. What I want you to know is don't waste the season you're in. Uh, singles, don't make it about waiting for, your, for the right guy to come along. Don't, don't be about, I'm just waiting for that right girl to show up in my life. Stop waiting and wasting a season and start being the person that somebody else is looking for. Don't waste the season here. Hey, hey, couples that don't have kids, stop dreaming of having kids. Enjoy where you're at with no kids. All the chuckles are from the people who have kids. Enjoy your vacation without hauling around four kids. Just might be something residual laying in me right now. Enjoy. Hey, parents that have kids. Enjoy the vacation with the kids. Enjoy the, the memories you're making and the craziness and the difficulties and the frustration. Enjoy their little failures because pretty soon the failures are going to be a little bit bigger and they're going to hurt a whole lot worse. Enjoy where you're at. And hey, those of you that are married um, and, and who have kids and who have all those things, stop wishing other people were in your season. I was having, I'll do a little transparent. I was having a discussion this past week with uh, some single folks in our church, and I said, you know, we're doing this relationship. Well, how's it work for you guys? And everybody goes, well, I, I wish they would just stop trying to get me hooked up. 
You know, let, let people enjoy their season. Stop trying to push them into their next season. I thought I'd get a couple of amens right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, I don't preach it at grandparents too often, but stop going to the family event saying, you married yet? Ecclesiastics talks about there's a season for everything. Third thing is, fifth thing, I'm sorry, I keep saying third, but fifth thing is you need a value serving. I, let, me, let me give this illustration. I need, I need uh, Jeff, I'm going to use you real quick. Actually, no, you stay there. Well, no, 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 no never mind. I'm going somewhere. Jeff, you got to come up here. I, 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 my, I used my wife in the first illustration. It was much better. So just, okay. Here's where we, we rush into things, and if Jeff were a girl, which he's not, uh, if he were a girl or in, in relationships, uh, we, uh, we rushed into relationships where we want to be face-to-face. We do this in, in friendships, too, where we want to get in somebody's face and tell them, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. In, in, in the marriage or in couples, we, we want to get to the face-to-face because it's fun, it's good, it feels right, right? Amen. The problem is, is we jump to face-to-face before we handle the, th- the correctly. Where we need to begin is back-to-back. Because if you're in a relationship, there's somebody that doesn't have your back, don't let them get face-to-face. Start back-to-back. Secondly, move to the relationship shoulder-to-shoulder. Where you're working together. Where you're better together. The, the, mo- the most valuable thing you can do is work in, in relationship with your spouse or your friends. Have a common goal. Be going in the same direction. Then you get to the face-to-face. Or where I can look at Jeff and say, hey, man, some things that's going on in your life, that needs, to get, that, need, that needs to go. And he'll listen because he knows I have his back. He'll listen because we're working together and we have a common goal. Stop getting to the place where you, not, where you don't belong before you go back-to-back and shoulder-to-shoulder. Thanks, Jeff. Here's the last thing, and First uh, Thessalonians sixth thing, and this is the most important one, the most important of all of these things: value fulfillment. Here's what we do: we do this in in our uh, in relationships. We're, I, I read a report uh, on it's, it was a, psych, a psychology report about what kids need to be fulfilled. This is what, uh, not a Christian psychologist, this was a psychologist that said, these are the elements that uh, people need to be, children need to be fulfilled. They need respect, encouragement, comfort, security, approval, support, acceptance, appreciation, attention, and affection. I grew up and I had amazing parents, and I got most of those. But when I got to the point where I was looking for, uh, uh, to get married, I was looking for somebody to give me those things. I wanted somebody to give me affection. I wanted somebody to give me the attention, the appreciation, the acceptance. And I was always going, will you feel me? Will you feel me? Will you feel me? And as long as I was looking to someone as my peer on the horizontal relationship, I'd never get filled. No matter how much they tried to pour into me, it was never enough. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things that is no law. This list is what psychologists are missing. If you want fulfillment, need the fruit of the Spirit. 
How do you get the fruit of the Spirit? You get pointed the right way. The only way you can stay fulfilled is if you're pointed in the right direction. Stop looking to relationships on this earth to fulfill you. It never will. Stop looking for the right mate, Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, to fulfill you. They never will. You have to begin with a relationship with Jesus Christ and allow his spirit to fill you. Then, out of the abundance of who God has made you, you will overflow and be able to fill those around you. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the, the wisdom that you've given us in the word of God for relationships. Lord, I thank you that we can step back and look at our relationships and understand that we are going to give value and receive value from relationships. And Lord, I pray Lord, that we can do just that. That we can be a church full of people who are in positive, valuable relationships. In Jesus' name, amen.